3: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're continuing on with these 25 years podcasts, which have been just a pleasure to do. I've had three or four of these now. This is the fourth today. And every one of these has been a fun discussion about something memorable from Raven's history. Not always good, although this one is joining me today. Eric Clark. Uh, Eric really had a tough assignment last time talking about the running backs for the 2021 Ravens. Now he gets a little bit easier job talking about the career of Jermaine Lewis. Eric, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fine,
4: Ken. It's always a pleasure to talk football with you, especially Ravens football. So I just can't wait to get into the topic today. It's been great listening to all these historic podcasts. Like you said, they have been fun reflecting on everybody's bond with such a special franchise. So.
3: Very, it has been very cool, that's for sure. But take us into this topic how you would like, uh, Eric and uh, Jermaine Lewis drafted by the Ravens in 1996 in the fifth round. I'll start with only that. You take
4: us where you okay. want to go from there. Yeah, so yeah, I just came across it as you said, as looking into the 25 years of the Ravens. Uh, of course, we have the big Hall of Famers, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, Jonathan Ogden, and you said, Let's find some. Some small niches, maybe the forgotten people or maybe the ones that we uh, hold dear to our hearts that maybe only Ravens fans know, maybe not the rest of the football league. Uh, for football fans, know. Uh, so that's what got me situated on Jermaine Lewis because his story is, is fascinating. Um, how how he basically got started, in my opinion, I don't know it for a fact, but, you know, you read up and in, up into it and how the Ravens came on to Jermaine Lewis in 1996. It was kind of like it felt like he was the glue to get Marylanders behind the Ravens, being a University of Maryland guy, and try to build up interest into it being that explosive weapon um, in, in such a time where we were looking to build interest being a new team. So that's what drew me to um, looking into it even more. Could, could, didn't hurt. Certainly he was a <laughs> Maryland
3: guy and didn't hurt that he was good either and, uh, and started making an impact right away in 1996 and, and uh, obviously made a bigger impact through the Super Bowl year. Let's kind of walk through chronologically, if you like, but if you just want to talk about individual memories you have of Jermaine Lewis or, or kind of what you saw out of his growth in, the, in his time there,
4: uh, how, what would you like to talk about? Oh, yeah. So I, I guess i will in reverse chronological order. Uh, with me being born in '93, you know, so uh, so '96, I'm only three. I love I've football watching with my dad, rest in peace, dad. But 2000 was my first Super Bowl and watching him make that memorable return. Uh, so that was my big memory on what he could do for the Ravens. And then a- after that, being a football lover that I am, I kind of just dug deep into it and see what besides that memory that I always see. Uh, when we watched Ravens highlights over the first Super Bowl, made him so special. What made him classified as maybe the most dangerous person in the NFL at the time, especially the returner, and how we forgot about how good of a receiver he was uh, uh, and how he made those plays. Uh, so, that, so I went from 2000, of course, the memorable return in the Super Bowl where he points up to the sky. Mm-hmm. As he crosses the goal line, so then I dig deeper into that and go into the Jets game, where he had those two return touchdowns after recent news of his stillborn son, and how it felt like the whole city was around him, how his energy just exuded and through every return that he did that year, uh, and and then that's when I was building on like, so what got him to that peak, and then. And I look back, 97, 98, and 2000 were maybe some of the best years of return outside of Devin Hester and Dante Hall that the league has ever seen. Yeah, I think that'd be fair. Uh, you know, his, his
3: 97 and 98 seasons, I think a lot of people have forgotten just how dangerous a receiver he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he – okay, Think about how difficult it is for any Ravens receiver to pile up these kind of numbers today. But he had 42 catches for 648 yards in 1997. The big number I always like to put out there, yards per target. 9.3 yards per target in 1997, which is excellent, uh, would be near the franchise records. In 1998, he set the record for a Ravens wide receiver with 10.3 yards per target. Not a not a trivial number of targets. Seventy six mm. targets for seven hundred eighty four yards. So uh, he was a he was a big play threat all that year. And I remember it was a combination of special teams long plays and long touchdown passes uh, that he caught in nineteen ninety eight in particular. Yeah,
4: and, and that's what basically got him the respect of the not just Ravens fans and Ravens coaches, but definitely the rest of the league. I believe he was a Pro Bowl and first team All Pro in nineteen ninety eight with his combination of special teams and wide receiver, which yes, that everybody right. just had to had to realize just what we had in Baltimore. Which which was funny. I was trying to look into what happened in ninety nine. I think ninety nine, I don't know if he just went mostly to returns or anything like that. I think that was his highest year of returns, but it just wasn't as explosive and he had a rebound year in two thousand. I just was was trying to look at what happened in ninety nine. Didn't see anything about injury or anything like that. I just think it just Maybe yeah, the Pro Bowl season, people started focus on him. He felt the pressure, um, but from um, what I see, I know maybe you can speak more on that. But I was I, I'm not that sure
3: that I can, even mm-hmm. as a as as a receiver or as a player. But he had uh, his you know his yards per turn were not terrible on punts, mm-hmm. uh, but it wasn't up to his own standards for that mm-hmm. five year period in in the that's that's the middle years of the sandwich. Um, and as a receiver, he had a terrible year. He only yeah, caught 43% of the balls that were thrown his way and his yards per target dropped from 10.3 to 4.8. Yeah,
4: it just feels like it just was that, that that pressure that we sometimes see from players that have those breakout years. And and that's part of the the player. We're not even talking personally. That's part of the player that makes it fascinating about how he rebatted in 2000. We don't know anything that happened in 99, but just looking at a football perspective, it's just like, Great start in 96, uh, breakout in 97. Uh, Like I said, two Seattle returns, 98 consistently for steps up again, first team. Excellent. uh, Pro, pro, wide receiver. 99 falls off a cliff, maybe feels the pressure. 2,000 deals with personal things off the field, but then still is that explosive weapon that we saw two years prior in 98 where 2000 we had the historic Ravens defense, and the reason that I tied it all together, because when the defense makes those big stops and intimidates the offense, the other part that, that was scary about the 2000 is that you were kicking it to this guy. <laughs> so, so as we got out the field, it wasn't just like that person back there was just going to touch the ball, and they were going to play ball security. That was going to be the explosive weapon that was going to try to put points on the board, and put the ball control, run first, Jamal Lewis, Led offense closer and better field position where defenses and other team, I mean, all other teams and special teams coaches had to worry about do we want to kick it to this guy? Do we want to make that, that slow offense work harder? So, I think that's what put people in unique situ- situations. Um, that year that led to such a special year that of the course ended up in the Super Bowl, yeah. It's
3: it's uh. uh Obviously, that 2,000 year was, was really special. The, the yards per punt return at a historic level at 16.1. But uh, the, I, I, I want to echo what you said about him being that dangerous player. The only punt returner, there's only one punt returner in Ravens history who's been any more Thought of as being dangerous, then then, and that's Ed Reed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. and, and you, you you put Ed Reed back there, and there was always a chance that 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 something big would happen, and other teams, you know, would even though he really what he became was Baltimore's designated fair catch player. Mm-hmm. that's really what he was um, <laughs> I think and, and it's you know they, they you have players that do that you just want to you want to be securely protect the football you don't want to take a chance on a fumble you want to you want a safe you know collection of the football Ed Reed's your guy but uh he did return that one against uh
4: Cincinnati on Monday mm-hmm. night that was a thing of beauty yeah absolutely absolutely uh it's just weird. Like you said, No more one dangerous guy at Ed, Ed Reed, I can rank up there with Jermaine Lewis in class of punt returns. And then, like when i was listened to some other of your podcasts how we tie together with Ravens, great teams that maybe should have been there. It's weird how you can kind of make a weird relationship between us having a, at least a returner that was considered elite. Even like with the 05 team, that was such a heartbreak. <laughs> but, we had BJ Sams on that on that year 05, seven. Yeah. and then in 2012 Jacoby Jones it's like whatever when you think of culture you know how we always say play like a raven um and now we have a head coach who specializes in special teams it's just weird how you can think about those those great teams that maybe have special places in our heart where returner is in there that's why I said Jermaine Lewis maybe kicked that off with such a, a quote quote unquote young franchise being only 25 years old that our first Super Bowl came pretty much on defense and special teams. Okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They won those two phases and, and in particular the game at Tennessee, of course they won on special teams, which we don't, we don't have to go into that specifically. It's mm-hmm. we're, we're getting too tangential, but the, the, um, uh, no, I forgot the point I was going to make. This happens from time to time when you get old, by the way, Eric, so you have to, have to look forward to and also going to the bathroom more. So then something so else to
4: look forward
1: to. So,
3: but the, the other options are not great either, so I, I just I wanted to make that point. Jermaine Lewis, I, I, there, there are two plays in specific that I really want to get to about Jermaine mm-hmm. that were really special. Number one is in 2000, a lot of people don't remember, he was still a starting receiver at the beginning of the, of the season. And in that second game of the year with Tony Banks, at quarterback, he caught the touchdown that put the um Ravens ahead not for good but it put them ahead 29 26 after they'd been down the entire game and uh he, he just a nice little easy corner out uh I don't even know what you call it. it's not really a fade because it was thrown on a
4: line uh mm-hmm. it, but it was a, but it was a short pass maybe you remember it yeah and I, 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 I know some what we were doing uh, let's say d research on I believe like you said it was like a, a short fade I don't you know, in Madden they just call it like the little the little circle they call it a corner. Um, if you yeah. want to call it that for other Madden players out there, or deep people in the field probably call it a short fade. Like you said, uh, I definitely remember that play looking through everything. Yeah. And and and
3: that that football game, even when the when taking the lead right there at twenty nine twenty six, there was so much football left to be played in those <laughs> last ten minutes uh, that that uh, you know make a a story unto itself. We're in fact going to do a two thousand Jacksonville pods. So I want to make sure we
4: save that for that. Oh yeah, definitely it, save that for that. Oh yeah, that's that's. Uh, yeah. Just going back to this history. Go ahead, Kim. I'm sorry.
3: Do you have another, if you have another play from that, that's really special to you about Jermaine, I don't I don't wanna monopolize the call, but do you have a play that is just
4: is the play from him other than the Super Bowl, which obviously I think is, yeah, is other than like the other super bowl, like I said I had to go back and I and I really wanted to, to look into any type of video I had of ninety seven. Like those those mm-hmm. first two. Uh so at home, uh first kick, first point return.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, you just could could see the shiftiness and what he, what he could be, and 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 to me that when I when I looked at it, I could see why. I'm trying to find the words here. It was just it was weird looking at it because it is. The game breaker that he was going to going to become was quite evident that 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 game and then that year, he, he makes five people miss as he comes right up the middle. He catches the ball, shifts right, and then cuts back left, um, goes up the middle, cuts back right, and then goes back up the middle for about 40 yards in the Seattle game and the first kick return, um, and then the second kick ret- second punt return, excuse me, in that game it's almost reminiscent of the Super Bowl one. That's why it was it was so funny that watching Seattle one night home in ninety seven. Uh goes left, stops, breaks the tackle, comes back right, breaks it up through the middle, tiptoes down the right sideline and breaks mm-hmm. it down for the for the Seattle. for that. So that's why I was just so aware when I go back and look at it and how how shifty he was and how if you look at his first two how they're reminiscent of some of the big plays that we saw in the 2000 year and how if you just go back and respect the player and playmaker that he was, you can see uh, his impact on on it.
3: There's a play I've been trying to find for a while that I, I can't seem to find, but it was a preseason return and it might've been 97 yards. Mm-hmm. But it was one of these ones where he probably should have either – he probably should have let the punt go, not even tried to fair catch it for the chance of it going in the end zone and picking up yardage. Instead, fielded it and, you know, scored from that point. I remember Billick saying uh, – it was Billick, so it, was, mm-hmm. it had to be 99 or later, I guess, that it happened, uh, you know, talking about how exciting that that play had been. Uh, but it's something that, that, that I wish I could find the actual tie for it. But I believe it to yeah. be a
4: preseason – uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm trying to figure it out because, like I said, when I I had to go back and 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 look into this and and how he became so so important, and I believe I'm trying to see that preseason game. Uh, I want to say, yeah, I want to definitely go back and, and find that for you. I'm definitely going to sure. message you on Twitter under this link for this one, and I'm going to find that video for you because I swear I was looking at all the videos for I've, this I've, one. Uh, <laughs> I've, got th- I've got the full
3: set of videos here, including the preseason uh-huh. game, so I, I want to go back and look at it too, but uh-huh. I need to find it before I can uh-huh. go look at it on the video. Uh, you know, the other the other play that is is just a nice capper to his career, and it was a, it was a lousy day of football, I can tell you that, uh, up at Pittsburgh in that 2001 Divisional game when they lost, they knew pretty much at that point that they were not going to be protecting either Jermaine Lewis or um, Jamie Sharper, both of whom mm-hmm. were you know bigger contract guys who were, who were going to be more expensive to keep and, and that they were likely to be lost in expansion. Certainly, sure enough, both of them were. Um, but uh, Jermaine Lewis, uh, in one of his last punt returns as a Raven, it might not have been the last, returned it for a touchdown against the Steelers to give the, the Ravens what a little bit of hope they had on that miserable day.
4: No. Oh, yeah. So, I think it was like his third to last return, if, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think the, the fact, if I counted it right, it was his third to last mm-hmm. part of my return, and, and and yeah, like you said, that just goes to finish finish up that story, seeing how he, he couldn't be protected, such a big playmaker here uh, in Ravens history, and that kind of like you said is the unhappy part about it that it just didn't continue for someone like Jermaine Lewis that it, it was short lived, but. Just it it's kind of what we had to deal with also here, and it's kind of uh, weird that all our returners would have that short shelf life of exciting history. And a lot of people in that profession or in that position in the NFL don't really last long, but it's, it's
3: exciting when it does happen. It's uh, Jermaine Lewis was the only guy they've ever tried to pay in the position. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, they've they've basically decided we can make do. We're mm-hmm. a system team. We'll make good with the best. Young fast receiver we can find, uh, you know, and, and they've tried to draft people late, like a Michael Campanero and you know Derek Abney and you know guys who who were not much other than a return man. Uh, but they've never they've never tried to pay a return man. And Devin Hester was the only time they, uh, eh, maybe I'm not wrong about that. How about Jacoby Jones? They probably
4: yeah, had to pay well, him a couple bucks, <laughs> just a little bit, just yeah. a little bit. Because like I say it was the closest one to Jermaine Lewis, mostly a kick return mm-hmm. as opposed to a punt return because he's like that straight line speed. Um, I guess you want to say Devin DuVernay is kind of like our trying to be version of Jacoby Jones. But mm-hmm. Jacoby Jones was, you know, a good wide receiver three for Joe Flacco back in those days. Everybody remembers how cool with Denver coming up. So, yeah, he had to get a little bit of money, Tim. Just a little bit. Just yeah. to for a little while, So yeah, I, got,
3: I got to go back and look and see what his earnings were like. But they, they gave Devin Hester a vet men contract, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. It was a it four-year-old yeah there might <laughs> right. There might have been incentives built in, but there was no way was he going to earn them kind of incentives. oh no, no, yeah, that thirty four year old legend, uh, legend so, uh, <laughs> he wasn't okay. much. No. but Kylan Clay and b j Sams, all those other guys, they said, you know we can find a guy year after year who can do this role, and it's just not that significant anymore. And I think they're you know they're kind of coming around to that on the coverage unit as well and deciding okay. that covering kicks is not as important as it once was you know the difference between getting a team at the 19 yard line and the 25 yard line on a kick may not be worth the injury risk and the other things that that you you could potentially get a small win in yardage on yeah. and you know the other the other component is punt returns i mean with sam cook he does all this directional, tricky punting. It doesn't really outkick his coverage as often, which means it's less likely for the coverage to really break down. Um, and and if he is, does out, outkick the coverage in in the way he'll do it, he will line drive that kick past the guy so he doesn't have a real opportunity to, to, mm-hmm. to gather it up and then he won't, ever, uh, he won't get a return on that. So uh, Cook has really made it easier on the Ravens coverage teams. And I think in a lot of ways, they don't need to have – as juiced up a special teams unit. I know that's probably sacrilege to Harbaugh, that, as, know, as they
4: have in the past. Exactly. exactly. Unless you're like the Raiders, who just have the young kicker who wants to show off his leg, then someone like uh, 98 Jermaine Lewis would be valued. But other than that, like you said, with special teams decreasing the value across the NFL, um, people like Hester and Jermaine Lewis, especially that we're talking about today, uh, just aren't being, I guess, seen a lot. Of the last year, Trent Cannon, who was cut from our team. Of course, we saw him show up in the 49ers game, but like I said, back on topic, it just was a, a pleasure going back and looking at the short history of Jermaine Lewis. here as a Baltimore Raven um, and how that forgotten member of the 96 draft class uh, mm-hmm. could just be such a huge part of our history and to me, culture, and how I fell in love with the Ravens as a seven-year-old. Oh. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's great the way you tell the story and make it personal. I really
3: appreciate you coming on. This is, you know, Jermaine Lewis, certainly one of my favorites way back in the day. Uh, I was still a, 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 a an adult at the time, <laughs> sadly, I mean, 25 oh, years I didn't ago. mean age, you can I didn't mean age. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, uh, but I really appreciate you coming on and and, and talking through uh, Jermaine Lewis. I hope other people will do this, you know, see, see what Eric has done and talk about, your you know, what favorite of yours? If it's Kelly Gregg, if it's Corey Ivey, if it's, you know... Uh, Jared Gaither was your favorite for some reason. Come on and, and tell us why Why you know you liked him and what you saw that he could have been or what it, why he wasn't that or why he was that. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Eric, thanks again for coming on. Tell people where they can catch you on Twitter or any other material, where any other place where you talk football
4: with people. Yeah, it was a pleasure, Ken. Uh, everyone, you can follow me at Greatness Calls. That Twitter is the only way that I do social media. And if you look for a guy that has all Ravens posts, that is definitely my guy. Ken can definitely vouch for that. So,
3: <laughs> Eric, thanks again so much for coming on. Yeah, oh, always a pleasure, Ken. Thank you again for having me. We'll talk to you next time on Film Stuff. <laughs>